Welcome listeners, Al Martin here, the host of Making Data Simple. I have a little bit of a cold that I brought along with me. You'd think that uh, as we're transitioning to the summer, you wouldn't get a cold, but I I've got one, so, so pardon me. We are constantly looking at new perspectives to the podcast. You know, we want to enrich our, our listeners' experience. We take the feedback you provide seriously, and we want to add more insights to the world of data. So today I have Winnie Allen, who's a senior manager, senior marketing manager, I should say, of data science at, and AI at IBM. She is going to help me and co-host for a few episodes. We're thinking like a series that uh, lasts around eight sessions. We'll see how it goes, and we'll do an assessment, but about data and AI and how it's used in real life business. In other words, we're looking at her to do use cases and bring use cases, uh, I think we're gonna do at the end of every month. So I wanna give a quick intro to Winnie. So welcome, Winnie, we'll start there. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks, Al. It is my great pleasure to be on this podcast. Um, I, I I am so excited about being able to share some of my experiences, but also, you know, just to, to kind of uh, play guest host with you um, a little bit. So um, thank you. That would be great. Hey, I, you and I have gotten to know each other a bit but maybe tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Um, so I was actually born in Shanghai, China, and I moved to the U.S. when I started high school. Um, so I am a big nerd at heart. I love technology. Um, I have been working in the tech industry for the last almost 20 years, um, holding various roles um, from very technical, um, like IC integrated circuit designer um, to an architect, um, and then slowly moving more to the business side. You know, I held positions in business development and now in marketing. Um, but really at heart, you know, I'm an engineer by training. Um, I'm always fascinated by um, all the cool technologies out there, especially around data and AI. Um, so I, I would even call myself, you know, maybe a, a data and AI enthusiast. Um, if, if you would call me that, I would not, um, I would not decline to, to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go to school? I went to Texas A&M. So whoop, um, giggle Maggie's. I, I'm setting you up a little bit because here's the cool thing that no one knows about Winnie that I know is she will, she, she cannot stand frat boys, right? <laughs> and, and, and guess what Winnie <laughs> That did? is true. Who did you end up marrying? I, I married a frat boy <laughs> through and through. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a funny So story. always be careful what you say. Um, <laughs> All right. So what sparked your interest in science and AI, data science and AI? Um, so, you know, uh, there are a lot of things. Um, my dad is a physicist. Um, and so, you know, ever since I was born, I was exposed to all kinds of very sciencey things. Um, but really, I remember um, my first science fiction movie. So you have to bear with me a little bit because this is probably out of the ordinary. Um, so my first movie that I remember um, vividly was called The Day the Earth Stood Still. And this was was the 1951 version, black and white, you know, um, I'm not, not as old, um, or, or, you know, I was born many decades later, but, you know, because I grew up in China, you know, the, the options were very few. Um, so I was, a, yeah, I was about five <laughs> when I watched yeah, it. I was going to say, I, you know, I'm no, I've never seen it. That That's a little bit before my time. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot before my time, I should say. So, so you know, it, it's not a usual movie, but I, I, 
vividly remember it. Um, and mostly because it was, you know, it was so far out there, you know, for a five year old, that was just amazing. And for those of you who haven't seen it, Al, uh, it's, it's really about an alien coming to earth, um, in peace, um, at least initially, but he was shot and wounded by a soldier. And then there's this huge robot and it emerged from the UFO and he tried to protect, um, the alien and his mission. I, I won't go into too many details, but for a five-year-old, you know, it was pretty awesome, um, you know, to see the spaceship, to see the robot. Um, I guess that was just kind of the beginning of my curiosity and me wanting to really build my own robot, get into the science, get into the AI side of things. Okay, so for the listeners, see, I told you this was going to be interesting. <laughs> Did you ever build your robot? Um, I did um, a very crude one. So I was very inspired after the movie and I tried to, you know, basically duct tape stuff together um, to make it work. But, um, you know, really, um, after I started working, you know, after I went through all the schooling and whatnot, um, I volunteered at this organization in Dallas called Dallas Best. Um, that's a proper <laughs> um, robot um, program. So it's it's really a program to help high school kids um, to build rob- robots for competition. Um, and I just had a blast there. Um, had, unfortunately, we didn't win any prizes, but, you know, um, just being able to build that, you know, all the way down to programming it, it, it was really satisfying. So I know you to be an avid listener to the podcast, which I thank you for. And then you reached out and said, look, I'd like to do a series if you would allow me. And we had several discussions on it. That, that brings you here. But um, what's your... You know, why is you, you know, what can you tell the listeners of your interest in, in, in this series and in doing the podcast? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I think, you know, when I listen to your podcast, um, I, I'm inspired, right, uh, with the ideas that are being shared and, and the things that are being talked about. Um, and so I thought about what I've been doing. Um, in the last two years, I've been researching and working on things related to what people are doing with data and AI in real business scenarios. Um, and so that means, you know, how are people using technologies like this to increase revenue, mitigate risk, optimize resources? And um, I've seen some really interesting things that people are doing, but also I've seen trends and patterns of some of the top business problems that are being worked on and being solved. And so what I'm hoping um, to do is that I will be able to bring some of that to life for the listeners, um, you know, the business leaders, the executives, um, so that they could um, get inspired, get inspirations, they can get ideas, as well as some of those tips and tricks, gold nuggets, if you will, um, to be used in their journey to AI. Um, so, so that's kind of my hope and, and thinking on why I wanted to come on this podcast. So is there like a, 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 a set of th- themes that you've stumbled upon or, you know, you mentioned those patterns or use cases that you, you find are most prevalent? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I had to look through um, over a hundred use cases. I think I stopped at 123. Um, that was when I said, okay, I've, I think I've looked enough to kind of see the patterns there. Um, so, you know, this is how clients are using data, AI. Um, I also talked with some industry analysts, um, as well as our business partners and, and, you know, the things that came out, um, really, there are three categories of things people are trying to do. Number one, businesses want to gain better insights to what happened or is happening, and they want to be able to know how to measure or monitor. So some examples um, are like customer segmentation, understanding what are customers doing? How do I improve um, my customer experience through you know segmenting what people are doing? Or um, churn analysis, why are people turning away? Um, um, and so these are all things that are looking in the rearview mirror, if you will, of what's happened or what is happening. Um, and the second thing is businesses want to make predictions um, based on historical data. So um, what is the likelihood of an event happening in the future is very big in things like fraud prediction um, or um, things like demand forecasting in a supply chain, making sure, you know, um, my my warehouse isn't fully stocked with things that, I, that aren't selling or I'm not running short. Um, and then the third thing um, that businesses are looking to do is to make optimizations. So what is the best allocation of resources or plans, schedule, um, next best actions um, based on limited resources or conflicting objectives. Um, so think about things like pricing optimization, um, right? Especially in like insurance, you call up the insurance um, adjuster or not adjuster, insurance person and you say, hey, I want a homeowner's insurance, right? What does that price look like? Or um, things, you know, in HR like staff allocation, okay? You know, resources, people are, are resources are scarce sometimes, you know, especially if we're looking at, um, you know, jobs where um, there's a higher demand than supply. So how do I best allocate um, my resources, my staff in a way to really promote the growth of my business? So those are the three things, three categories of things, if you will, um, that people are really looking into that they're investing in. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's kind of where the market is going. So, so just to summarize then, uh, to, to be clear, you, what are the topics that you plan to go in in this series? And we already talked a little bit like use cases and stuff, but I'll let you just I'll add a little flavor if you would. Sure, sure. Um, so there are two top use case scenarios. I'll call them scenarios because people say use cases um, and they mean different things um, that, that I've found that I would really like to cover, you know, at least initially on this podcast. Um, one is around fraud detection. Um, so this is not just a detection, but the fraud uh, detection, prediction and prevention. Um, and the other one is around customer experience. Um, these scenarios scenarios. Um, the reason why I chose those is because they really cut across almost all industries and geographies. If you think about fraud, you know, that really happens everywhere. So, you know, it's not just the banking or the um, the insurance, it could be, you know, even on the travel side, you know, there are people who are trying to um, fraud, you know, create 
create fraudulent um, transactions there. Um, and then, you know, customer experience. Think about every single business, they have customers. Um, so whether it's a B2B company or a B2C company, um, the customers still exist. You know, there is really a desire to improve that experience in every way. Um, so, you know, I really want to speak spend some time talking about what's happening in these areas, in this, um, these scenarios. Um, what are the challenges? Um, and also how to get started leveraging, you know, data and AI to improve their business. Um, so I'm hoping to really, you know, bring in um, data science practitioners, industry leaders, as well as um, some, you know, real clients talking about their experiences and learnings. So look, um, first of all, welcome. And I would say that uh, we probably over-talked it now. I think this stands to be very exciting in, in around data and AI and, and what I would term a, a practical sense. Good for business leaders, executives to hear what their peers are doing. And what we'll do again, like I said, is put this at the last podcast for at least the next eight months, uh, we'll, we'll be focused on these use cases. So jumping right in, what are you going to have for us today? Oh, great. Uh, for our first speaker, we have Brittany Bogle. She is a senior data scientist, machine learning engineer, and a member of the data science and AI elite team. Um, so she has over 10 years of experience in AI and machine learning across different industries. So she is here to talk um, to us about uh, specifically her experience in the fraud detection, prediction, and prevention space. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say. So just to be fair, um, you know, to be honest with you, I was expecting uh, an external guest, uh, but this is someone internally that has many experiences within those models you talk about, fraud detection, pr prediction, prevention, et cetera. And they're going to talk about their experience within those. And you will have in forthcoming in the forthcoming series, you'll have external guests to talk specifically from their own. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I, I just want to be clear. You know, we're not trying to sell products on this podcast. What we're really hoping to do is to really share the experiences and the insights we have gained from, you know, these years of experience, right? So what are the things that you really should look for, for example, when you're looking for data scientists to hire? What are the things you should look for when you are trying to engage in that conversation with, you know, the technical side of, of, of the team? Um, and so these are really little nuggets, I call them, um, that we're hoping that the listeners will be able to take away with them um, and put into practice in their own space. Fantastic. As I always say, you know, what we're trying to do on this podcast is to sell experience and expertise. It's up for the, the, the audience to, to go where they will. And sometimes we get a little overzealous because, you know, we, we do work for IBM and we think that they have the best products and we, they, they end up coming out. But look, it's about selling expertise. So thank you again, folks. Enjoy the podcast. Let us know what you think as always. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Winnie. Thanks, Al. It's just a matter of time before all professions and industries are transformed by data and AI. Welcome to Inside AI, the podcast where we get under the hood of digital transformation, demystifying data science, AI, and machine learning. We'll talk to business leaders, data scientists, and developers who are solving real business challenges today.
Hi, listeners. I'm your host, Winnie Allen, Senior Marketing Manager at IBM and a data science enthusiast. Today, I'm here with Brittany Bogle, Senior Data Scientist, Machine Learning Engineer, and a part of the IBM Data and AI Elite Team. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany. Hi, thanks for having me. To start, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your experience as a data scientist and what you've been up to lately. So for the past 10 years, I've been working um, using machine learning models and optimization to solve data science use cases across a variety of industries, including manufacturing, healthcare, and the finance industry. Okay, cool. Um, So from what you have seen, what are some of the top challenges um, in the area of maybe fraud detection, prediction, and prevention? Yeah, so um, one of the big biggest challenges I've seen in fraud prediction and, preven- and prevention is um, in data science, one challenge is always the, the type of data we're dealing with and the volume of data. And in fraud in particular, um, what we see is that we're often trying to predict in real time to try to figure out if um, there's a bad actor or a fraudulent activity going on in the system at that particular time. And that, that has challenges in and of itself. Um, the biggest challenge I see, though, is this big data issue. Um, there's tons of data coming in that you have to use to train the model initially, but then you have to translate it to um, this real-time prediction mechanism. So those two pieces together make it particularly challenging. So fraud is something that is really cutting across all industries, um, and, you know, the, the problem of big data, I think that's something that people hear a lot about. Maybe can you dive a little bit deeper into what that means, you know, from the data scientist perspective, what you are seeing, um, you know, how, how is translating to real time with the big data such a challenge? Yeah, so from data science perspective, um, a lot of times, our challenges are either falling into this big data category or this category of the data sitting in a lot of places and having to combine them all together. And I think in fraud, we see that both of those challenges exist. And in big data in particular, um, the challenges are oftentimes that data scientists are not, um, how do I say this? Like they're not as trained, as, um, they may be trained to build models but they may not be trained to handle big data. So that's a learning mm-hmm. process in and of itself. It's something hard to pick up in school because, or um, even in workplace settings because a lot of times as a data scientist, you're starting out with little clean data sets. And you're not, um, the only way you can really get that exposure and that experience is through on-the-job um, introduction and kind of jumping into a problem that has big data in it. Um, There's not a lot of sample data sets out there to kind of train you in that ability. So, you know, whenever I worked on this use case um, with a bank where we were trying to do fraud prediction, it was actually the first time I'd ever um, had to deal with big data in this particular type of um, use case in a bank. And all the data scientists I was working with at the client, it was also their first time. And so what we're doing is we're diving into this um, Hadoop data lake, essentially, where all the data sitting we're struggling to figure out along the way um, and learn ourselves how to pull it in and integrate it. But at the same time, we have this deadline. So yeah. um, it's, 
it's kind of like a and a lot of data science is like that actually. Data science is such a wide field, um, and people have a wide backgrounds that um, any particular problem you might be asked to um, tackle, you might have to learn on the fly simply because there was no way to actually get that experience ahead of time. Um, so that's actually what I saw a lot of. I saw a lot of, we had one data scientist on our team in that use case. Um, he was an amazing modeler, but had never um, dealt with the cleaning or linking the data process. That was his first time. And then we had another person who was more of a developer um, who knew how to build apps, but had never really thought about the modeling side. And so all of us were kind of like swapping skills and kind of learning from each other during that process. Yeah, so th- thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so I heard that, you know, 80% of a data scientist's job is to clean data. And it sounds like, you know, this is this is exactly why, right? You know, real life um, data cleaning isn't something that you learn in, say, the classroom, but it's something that you really have to dive in and understand the data and, and really um, be able to, to sort it out, if you will. Um, so maybe changing the topic a little bit, um, you know, fraud detection and prediction is not new. Um, and really the idea of using AI and machine learning to solve these challenges isn't new. So what are the things that you have seen that's really triggering a business or organization to look for a new solution? Yeah. Um, well, I think companies are, are becoming more open to it. The language of data science and AI is becoming, um, it's starting to spread to every organization, I think. And and there's interest in it from the executive level, which I think helps a lot. Um, But I think there there is a growing, there's at least not a grow. I don't think we're quite at a lot of the clients we're looking at quite, um, like the, the business users aren't quite ready necessarily to trust the algorithm or the Mm. output from something like machine learning right now, but they're open to it now, which I think is the biggest opportunity we have. Um, And so, um, and I think we're, you know, there, because of this openness, because of this discussion of AI, business leaders are starting to think more about what kind of use case can we do something with AI for? um, And how can we use AI in some sort of way? And I think fraud is, um, and fraud in particular, is very um, one of those low-hanging fruits to kind of start thinking about it because it's obvious that you're trying to predict something, mm-hmm. um, trying to anticipate or identify if um, there's fraudulent activity going on. And I think that's a really easy way to connect um, this data science concept or this AI concept to um, a particular use case. So, so you talked a little bit about, you know, the business leaders having maybe trust issues with algorithms. Um, what are some other barriers or challenges that you're seeing um, from, you know, the, the engagements that, you, that you've made um, of people to adopt AI solutions? Yeah, um, you know, adoption is a, a huge challenge. I talked to one talked to one executive one time, and he basically said, I want to fire all my data scientists. And it wasn't because the data scientists weren't doing good things or building good models. It was this adoption element. Um, he wasn't seeing any of the models make it to mm-hmm. this production level and being integrated to help transform the business. And that's the point at the end of the day. So I think there's a couple of things that need to be done. Um, 
you know, one thing that we try to teach it in our team, um, one time we try to pass along to our client data scientists that we're working with is that there's certain critical partners that you need really early on. You need those business end users. You need to bring in the development, the IT team, those people that are going to be building or modifying the existing systems or infrastructure with your models. You need to get them very early on on board because otherwise it's just a research project. At the end of the day, you built a model, great. You know how it performed historically. You maybe can store it in real time, but who's the person who's going to be putting that into the system? It most likely is not the data scientist and most likely that person does not even have those skills to do it or have the buy-in. Um, and you have to have the buy-in along the way from the business users, from those people who are going to be, you know, their day-to-day -day is going to be impacted for it to ever um, move into the production level. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot is that data science right now in a lot of um, organizations is more in this research project space, and that's the next phase is trying to get clients to adopt it. And that's what our team primarily is trying to help them do. Right, right. So um, this is really a team sport is what I'm hearing, right? So we yeah. really need everybody Definitely. from the business side, from the IT side, from the data science side um, to, to really not just buy in but sponsor something for it to not end up in the research land. Um, and, and that's right. great. That's great advice for our listeners who who are, you know, maybe potentially wanting to to see how they can adopt their AI solutions. So thank you. That's very insightful. Um, so from your perspective, what are some of the potentially technical challenges that you're seeing um, from, you know, adopting or implementing a, a fraud solution or an AI solution in general? Um, so maybe right. you, our listeners can, you know, either prepare for it and maybe look for these, you know, potential pitfalls in their implementation. Right. Um, that's a really interesting question. So from a technical side, I think there's a few things in place. Um, you've got to have the right people, as I mentioned. You have to have those. You need to identify very early on what piece that this model might fit into into your system and to identify those individuals that might know how to, for example, take the REST API that the model is, um, you know, you, you build a model, you train it, but then that model needs to sit somewhere and be used to score. And by score, I mean just predict or classify whatever the model is supposed to do. Um, and that piece is really critical, identifying where that sits in your system and then finding that individual who has the knowledge or help them learn um, and understand how they might integrate that model. And that needs to be going on. Even That can start as early as the model is being built, even if it's not a good model early on. That piece can um, start to be, you can start playing around with how to integrate it into your system. Um, the other you know, technical challenge I see is anytime you're trying to do real-time prediction, um, instead of something like maybe on a daily basis, you're scoring a big batch of um, of let's, let's say like patients in a hospital. Um, and that's, that's a different process than this real-time scoring where you need to know right now what to do um, with, um, let's say, if you should shut down a, um, lock a bank account, lock somebody's um, account because you think fraud is, um, fraudulent activity mm. is happening. Um, that real-time scoring is also an entirely different skill set than most data scientists have um, naturally, or like most data scientists have had experience with. So finding an individual or getting them to learn those skills and how to do the real-time scoring is 
um, a really critical part as well. Wow, I, I didn't realize uh, real-time scoring is a different skill set. That's that's really interesting. So maybe Brittany, if you could help our listeners um, get their idea, uh, get their head around, you know, this 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 idea by giving a um, an example of an engagement um, potentially you had in the fraud uh, space. Yeah, I can walk through what um, we did at one particular client. Um, so this was a bank in South Africa that we worked with over a four-month period of time. And what they came to with us, um, they came to us with was this idea um, that they had, this, this bank has a fraud detection department. And their problem was that they, they had built an amazing system, actually, you know, with lots of knowledge and lots of, um, you know, subject matter expertise into this, essentially, it was a decision-based or decision-rule-based system that um, filtered out in real time. It helped identify if the um, if any activity in an account is fraudulent. The problem with this rule-based system that they were seeing is that it was amazing at capturing most of those true fraudulent accounts. But the cost of that was that it had many, many, many false positive flags. Mm. And what, what was the problem of that? The problem with that is that the, um, they had these individuals um, called fraud responders, and their job is to monitor what this decision rule-based system is um, basically spitting out to them and saying, this is a potentially fraudulent activity. You better identify and like dig into this further. And those fraud responders are the ones making the decision about if they should lock an account or not. And um, the problem is that this rule-based system is overburdening due to all those false positives, making these um, fraud responders' job really difficult um, because they had so many um, items or account activities to review at any given time, and only a tiny portion of those were actually true. Um, so when they came to us, they, they wanted to know if we could do something using machine learning. And our first task was really to figure out um, how can we get buy-in with the actual um, fraud responders and the fraud analysts who are developing this rule-based system? And so what we did is we decided to start out not thinking about machine learning as replacing their existing system, but we wanted to think about it as an augmentation. So step one is they have their existing decision-based system that's already in place. And then instead of sending that list of potential fraudulent activity to the fraud responders, we thought we could provide a machine learning could help filter that first list into a smaller list that would um, help that would then be sent to the fraud responders. So it reduces their burden. And by taking that approach, we were able to interview the fraud responders. We were able to interview the fraud analysts, all these individuals, capture all that domain knowledge they have, turn it into predict potential predictive um, information that can go into the model and then build the model. So we're, we're taking all that information that they have and we're actually putting it into the model itself and alleviating that fraud responder burden a little bit. And what we were able to see through that use case is a reduction um, in the false positive rate by over 50%. Wow, that's, that's quite a bit. So in terms of dollars and resources, 50% is quite a big impact to what they're able to do, right? 
Um, so that's that's a great example. Thank you, Brittany. That that's um, really interesting to hear about the false positives. I, I think as consumers, we have all experienced that. Um, you know, having our account locked yeah. up or whatnot, right? Um, so very yeah. cool. So um, you mentioned a little bit about this is a four month engagement. Is that typical for your um, engagement? Um, and how long do you say typically it would take a business to see an improvement or return on their investment? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So the first part of your question is, is that, is that typical for our team? Um, so it was due to the location of the client and just all this, the travel and back and forth. This engagement was a little bit longer than we typically do. Um, most of our engagements are in – we, we try to get them done in about a six-week period of time, 12 weeks if you want to move it into production-level environment. Um, but I would say, you know, if you have a good data science team that's experienced and understands, and this isn't their first time tackling a, you know, the different pieces that I was talking about, the, the feature engineering, if they've done that and dealt with messy data before, um, if, it's, if they have somebody on their team who can do or understands how to navigate these large databases and query that data. That, And if you also have somebody who knows how to build and iterate through some different models um, that are available to them, I think you can uh, see um, pretty good results. You can see, I mean, there's no guarantee, obviously, with modeling, but you can see a at least an early, you can have a good idea of where the trajectory and the potential for that model to influence the organization, you know, in a six-week period of time. And that's why we um, have designed our client engagement process at IBM around the six-week model. That's great. Wow. So really what we're looking at is around six weeks that somebody can really go in and make a difference on the AI machine learning side. So, uh, listeners, if um, you are thinking about um, doing a AI or machine learning project, um, you know we're potentially looking at six weeks to really um, show some kind of proof of concept. Um, Brittany, maybe you know help us understand as we come to the end of the podcast. What um, are some of the top advice that you have from your perspective to the organizations out there that are looking to um, engage or implement their AI solution? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I think it depends on where the organization is in their journey. If they're looking to hire data scientists, I think that's you know a really critical step. One critical thing to really be looking at is. Um, data scientists, you don't want to look for just people that have programming skills. You want to ask, you want to like have somebody in the room interviewing them who knows what feature engineering means and like, and you want to be able to ask questions to try to dig into if this person has experienced the ability to merge data sets, to clean data, to do creative business driven feature engineering. And that I actually, um, you know, whenever I mentor new people to data science, one thing that I recommend is don't just do look at, you know, programming skills. I would put it pretty far down on the list of things you need. You need somebody who's creative and knows how to design a almost like a, you know, design a study for how you're going to make sure you can answer the right business question. Um, programming is kind of far on the list. But from to get to your other part of the question, for those companies that already have data scientists in place and you feel like you have the right team, um, 
if you're not bringing in those business users or the, the end users of who the model would be, the IT, the developers, if you're not bringing them into this process whenever you're talking about a use case very early on, you're going to risk, um, that's going to set you up to just have your machine learning project turn into a research project rather than something that can actually um, influence your uh, organization at the end of the day. Great, great. So this is going back to the whole team sport con- uh, concept, right? So having the business users in there um, early on to really be able to push and drive the project along. Um, so that's really, really helpful. And um, I think it's very insightful, Brittany, of the the things that you listed out for, for the folks out there that are looking to hire new data scientists or, um, you know, new to the team. Um, I think that's that's definitely a little gold nugget that people will be able to take away. So with that, thank you so much, Brittany. Really appreciate your time on the podcast today um, and sharing your experiences. I think we've all learned quite a bit from you and your experience. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. 